With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Big Blue Insider is on. News Radio 630 WLAP and the iHeartRadio app. To interact with the show, call us at 859-280-2287. That's 859-280-CATS. Or you can tweet us at BigBlueInsider1. Now, here's Dick Gabriel. Welcome to the Big Blue Insider on Election Tuesday, a day that, well, everybody's been waiting for for a long time. Or so it seems, and uh, good for you if you got out and voted. And there are a lot of you still out there. In fact, uh, Steve Moss just texted me video of the scene at Tate's Creek Public Library he estimates more than 500 people still in line waiting for the opportunity to vote. So I, I hate that you're, you're still in line, but uh, glad you decided to vote. You might have gone out a little earlier. You had some opportunities, but the bottom line is you're, you're trying to do your, your uh, diligence and vote, and good for you. So uh, coverage will begin on our radio station at 7 o'clock. So we will be with you for just one hour tonight and we'll give way to election coverage at 7 o'clock. So uh, stay with us, of course, and uh, we'll talk some sports with you up until then. Joined as always by, or usually, by Billy Rutledge and uh, Aaron Gershon, the millennial the millennial twins, as uh, we can call them. And we usually talk a lot of football right about now. We'll talk some football, but Kentucky basketball keeps working its way to the top of the topics list. And uh, Aaron, Kareem Watkins now on the Kentucky squad. And this is the kind of player move that could pay off in the future, couldn't it? Yeah, it's uh, one of those chestnut checkers moves. I mean, obviously the kid that they bring in today uh, is here because they had the open roster spot, Isaac DeGrorio, a fellow walk-on. Uh, decided to stay at UK but not play basketball anymore. And then uh, this kid obviously is the stepson of a former Memphis player that played under Calipari. But more importantly, uh, he's I believe is it the brother of yep. DeJohn Wagner Jr., the number yep. one uh, recruit for 2023, who all crystal ball predictions already have lined up for Kentucky so far. So could be a move to get him in the building, uh, see how he likes the program, and if it goes – like it does for most kids to fall in love with it, uh, you might have the top recruit in the nation in 2023 uh, come to UK. So John Calipari is always thinking ahead when it comes to recruiting, and that's exactly what this one did like. Dewan Wagner played one year at Memphis. He was Calipari's first one and done. And back then, it wasn't happening that often, but this kid was incredible. 21 points a game. Uh, could not go deeply into a pro career because of health reasons, quite frankly. Uh, his father, Dewan Wagner's father, is Milt Wagner, 
who played at Louisville and was part of a national championship team there. So there's all kinds of connections here and there. But, yeah, I would say that Kareem Watkins, who is, what, 5'8", 145, you know, I don't think he's going to be logging a lot of minutes for the Wildcats. You never do know. But uh, eight and a half points a game as a senior, and I'm sure knows the game well as a point guard, and certainly the bloodlines are there. But, yeah, this is uh, a check you write right now, and you hope to cash it later, right? Exactly right. That's exactly right. And, uh, yeah, like you said, he's probably not going to make any impact on the court, but that's okay. If he falls in love with the program and there's nothing but good things to say about the coaching staff, uh, good chance you have a big fish coming in here in a couple of years. Yep. So now you've got a 2020 freshman class, the consensus number one group in the country, six consensus five- and four-star prospects. And here's the question, Billy. Can, is it is it just and right and fair for Kentucky fans after several years now of falling short of the Final Four, much less a national championship, should people expect a Final Four appearance at the very least? <laughs> well, that's tough. I think if there's any fan base out there, it's going to be Kentucky's and the Big Blue Nation that, you know, really hope and expect for a Final Four every year, but you know, I just go back to what the tournament is, Dick, and it's the single hardest postseason tournament to win. It yep. really is a single elimination. Um, quite a few games you have to go through to even get to the Final Four. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Expect is a lot, but I think the expectation is going to be Elite Eight Final Four almost every year, Dick. Well, it should be if, if Calipari is doing his job in terms of recruiting and then coaching them up. But I think that this all would have been a waste of time to even talk about if they hadn't gotten Olivier Saar. Uh, Davion Mintz is a help. Jacob Toppin is a help. But as we all said, and it, it didn't take an expert to figure that out, that Saar could be the guy who pushes them over the, 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 the edge that, that might be or, or through that glass ceiling that is the Final Four. And, you know, he's, he's the kind of player that can really help any team, I think. But when you surround him with the guys they have, here's the big issue, though, to me is, and we've talked about this before, and it's going to be a little bit like football, I think, and, and I'm sure you'll tell me if, if I'm wrong, but uh, you're not going to have as many of those confidence-building matchups that every team plays. And, and the kind of games that people roll their eyes when they see them on the schedule and they complain that, you know, they're playing UCLA up in Cleveland, but they're playing East Nowhere State in Rupp Arena. Uh, but East Nowhere State games are where the young guys learn in a real game situation. You know, it's not like football in that uh, you got to have all those wins to get to the postseason. It certainly helps. But it takes those games, I think, Aaron, to to pull these young guys together and allow them to learn how to play together. Because we always talk about how Calipari is, is almost a master at getting these kids to check their ego at the, at the practice facility door. But if it doesn't pay off in a game, then it's worthless. 
And, right. yeah, they love playing in the big games. But I, I think the blowout games, too, give everybody a chance to feel good about themselves. You know what, Dick? The last three years, there haven't really been that many of these blowouts. That's you true. look at some scores of the non-conference games, we all know what happened against Evansville. They lose that one. Utah Valley, I think, was six or eight points. Uh, you can remember the other Utah Valley game. That was the season opener uh, the year they had Knox and Shea. It, uh, they were down nine at halftime. So you kind of just got to learn how to win. And if that means doing it against uh, a lesser team, that's fine. I mean, winning is winning at the end of the day. Uh, these are kids who are going to feel great no matter who they just beat. Yeah, it might be a little extra after they beat a UCLA or an Auburn, whatever, but they got to learn how to win. And the last three years, a lot of these games that everyone draws up as, you know, Kentucky favored by 30 have been way closer than they should. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I've also seen Kentucky learn from it and bounce back and look better toward the end of the year. I mean, after you lost to Evansville last year, people are wondering, oh, my God, what's going to happen with this team? Well, the end of the year with an 18-point road comeback victory and seemed destined to make a run at the Final Four. Yeah, you're right. And it just goes to show how how much time it takes to build a team like that. And, you know, and Aaron, you and I would, would sit there in the media room now and then and, and kind of chuckle at, and expect Calipari to say, you know, after a close win, we needed a game like this. You know, you could almost set your watch by it. But it's true, you know. Um, you can always debate whether or not a loss is good for a team, but 99% of the coaches out there would rather teach the lessons that they need to teach after a win because they can take that video and slice it up and make it look like the worst game they've played all year. But, you know, you're right, though, Aaron, in that there have been some of those games, those non-conference games that were supposed to be walkovers but on the other hand, did we expect too much from those teams? Those, you know, we are expecting a walkover win. Maybe we shouldn't have. So I don't know. Uh, especially, I think standards change. Uh, for instance, uh, Kentucky back in December, back in the day, the Kentucky non-conference games, the huge games with experienced teams, you could expect Kentucky to destroy the other guys. Well, now, with these young teams, with these young kids, I don't care who they're playing in December, uh, you just don't know which way it's going to go. But here's what gets me, Billy, is you could see a game like Evansville. But on the other hand, you know, what was it, Michigan State? Uh, was it Michigan State that they clobbered and they weren't expected to? That was Maxie at the buzzer, I thought. Was that Maxie at the buzzer? Whatever. Uh, still, I don't think people expected that. So uh, it's kind of fun, really, when you talk about how young these teams are. And you never quite know what's going to happen. Right. You could have the situation against Duke a couple years ago where they were absolutely clobbered, but yep. were able to bring it together. But, you know, it matters how you play in February and March and not uh, November and December. That's always been a staple of these Cal teams, and I think that's just magnified as well by the type of players he gets, these one-and-done guys who – they got to learn the system quick, but when they do, they've proven and shown in, in the NBA bubble that they're ready as anybody, and that's yep. why we're seeing a lot of these bigger recruits come to Kentucky. Uh, shifting over to the NFL, Avery Williamson made one hell of a jump in terms of his career, 
in the NFL standings. If you didn't see this, if you follow the NFL, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's a guy, former Wildcat, terrific linebacker, and I believe went in the seventh round. Aaron, do you remember? Uh, fifth, maybe? It fifth was round. really late. It was yeah, it was really late. 2014. Say again? Fifth okay. round of 2014. Fifth round? Yes. Okay. Um, he goes to Tennessee, his home state. He signs as a free agent with the Jets. Good move financially, bad move in terms of his career. They stink. Uh, you know, and he, he had every right to think that they were going to try to get better, and maybe they did, but they didn't. Um, so now they're 0-8. Trade deadline comes, and now he's a stealer. He is. He goes from 0-8 to 7-0 and because the Steelers need linebacker depth. Aaron, I think this is a perfect fit. Uh, yeah, and I actually – he has a or had a weekly spot on New York Sports Radio. Him and Blake Martinez, the middle linebacker for the Giants. So I listen to Avery every week, and you could hear it today. He did a farewell to New York. You should hear the excitement in this guy's voice <laughs> from going up an eight to seven and zero. Oh, and it's really it's also just a perfect fit in Pittsburgh. I mean, not only are they seven and zero, oh, you're joining the other Kentucky guys they have, but yep. you know Devin Book, middle linebacker, is out for the season for them. So he's going right in there he knows he's going to be the guy starting for them where even with the Jets you know they had I know CJ Mosley's been hurt but you know his role in the future was kind of in flux anyway so this is just he's got you could hear it in his voice and he's got to be over the moon to go from the worst team in the NFL to the best right now yeah and he had 59 tackles in seven games so you know it's not like he was on cruise control with the Jets but he goes from a team that practically every week, has no chance of winning. And so now he's going to a team that might go 16-0. I mean, that, obviously that's a long shot. So, Billy, is it a longer shot that the Steelers go 16-0 and or the Jets go 0-16? Yeah. You know, I think both may happen this year, Dick. Yeah. Uh, I looked at the Steelers' schedule. They're, they're really only other games that they got really tough ones they have a game at the bills but they've kind of floundered the last few weeks and then they play uh the ravens at home again and uh you know not much of a home field advantage this year and that last game went down to the final play with lamar jackson so that could be the game that slips them up but i don't see the jets beating anybody this year and i'm real happy for everybody that can get out of that organization right now just imagine like having fun playing football again um, just to be it from an zero and seven or zero and eight to seven and zero team, it's got to be quite the culture shock. It's got to be nice to to go to work and to say to yourself, "We got a sh- real shot at winning tonight or today," yeah. as opposed to, "I just got to get through this game without getting hurt." Because I I, I got to think, Aaron, that at some point when you're playing for a sad sack team like the Jets, or forgive me, like your Giants, although the Giants aren't playing that way, um, you got to start worrying about you, don't you? Yeah, Giants are playing a little better. So I'll say oh, that, yeah. but uh, frustrating. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's got to be miserable there with the Jets right now. And you see the frustration. Uh, I mean, Le'Veon Bell obviously showed it, got his way out of there, and now he's in Kansas City, Avery Williamson, you could hear in the radio he was trying to stay optimistic. Like I said, I listen to him every week, but he was, and you could tell he wanted, he wanted better. Uh, he also talked about all the time how their practices were awful, so that's another indictment on that franchise. But, 
Yeah, and to answer the question you asked, Billy, uh, the Jets are going 0-16. <laughs> There's no way. Unless New England continues this free-for-all and the Jets can steal one of those games, which is unbelievable to think that's their most winnable game left, just look at who they're playing the rest of the way. They ain't winning. I think I agree with you. They just, when you watch them, they, they got no chance, no shot. Uh, and before we get to the break, of course, the trade deadline comes and goes, and my Packers failed to deal for a receiver. Now, they were going after, they wanted Will Fuller of the Texans, who happens to be on my fantasy team. Uh, it would have been fine with me, you know. But uh, And he's a nice player. I think he could have helped clearly. But apparently Houston, I'm not sure exactly who Houston wanted, but apparently it was too much. So the Packers stepped away. So I was hoping somehow Randall Cobb might end up back in Green Bay. But who knows? All right, when we come back, we'll talk Kentucky football. We will also sift through last night's NFL game. What a matchup. The Billy Rutledge Bucks and the Aaron Gershon Giants. And it was a pretty good game, in fact. And watching these two guys text each other, because I'm in that group, it was something to see. At the bottom of the hour, Keith Farmer of the UK TV Network. And uh, a little bit later on, we're going to talk Bond, James Bond. Sean Connery died over the weekend. Didn't have a chance to talk about it last night on the statewide show. But we will, and we'll see just what my young friends know about the James Bond franchise. We're back in a minute on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 630 WLAP. Bucks beat the Giants last night, barely kept me alive in my Survivor League. Aaron, is it becoming less painful each week? Uh, yeah, I'm immune to it. I <laughs> really am. Uh, you know, I, I actually was on FaceTime with my younger brother, obviously another diehard Giant fan the whole game, and I said to him, we're going to score a touchdown and miss the two. That's how it's going to go. <laughs> That's how it went. Um, obviously, the pass interference. I would have been – I was telling Billy on the phone, I told him last night, I would have been okay if they didn't call it with a flag not being thrown. But the fact, not only one flag thrown, two officials threw a flag and they pick it up. That's what got me. <laughs> um, but I, you guys are now, this is probably the first game you guys locked in and saw my frustration. This Giants yep. team is playing so much harder under Joe Judge than they ever did under Pat Shermer. And they just don't quite have the talent or the consistent quarterback play uh, they need to win. And I'll, Billy, say, I'll say that uh, the Bucks lose that game last year. Tom Brady has changed this yeah. team. They, they went from the Hunters to the Hunted. Good call. You're listening to Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Dick Gabriel, Billy Rutledge, Aaron Gershon on this election night. So uh, we're going to give way to election coverage at the top of the hour. But before we do that, we are going to welcome our next guest on our celebrity hotline, Keith Farmer of the UK TV Network, co-host of BBN, uh, the uh, BBN Nightly Show. And uh, K-Man, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I know how things go in the newsroom on election night. Are you pressed into duty as uh, an election coverage helper man, or are you getting <laughs> yeah, to report I, I on that? I literally am doing that for sure. Yeah, I'm, I, no sports tonight for us. So you know, instead of having a night off, they're like, "Hey, uh, would you mind going by and getting the numbers after the votes are uh, t- tallied up there at one of the branches?" And so that's what I'm doing. 
Man, that's a big and job. I'm waiting because there are still people in line. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a big job though, K man. I know. Um, Got to get those numbers right, but but good for me. Um, I, I'm good with you know just giving out some of those numbers, final scores, that kind of thing. <laughs> that's very true. One of the things that Aaron and Billy and I talked about was another walk-on joining Calipari's team uh, and more with an eye, perhaps, on another player joining Calipari's team down the line. Yeah, how about that? That was a little bit of a shocker, uh, waking up and and finding that email, and it's like, okay, this is interesting. I thought, okay, but that doesn't sound like the, the, you know, DeWan Wagner connection I'd heard about. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, all right, interesting, cool. So, yeah, I think that's a, a good way of maybe uh, getting in on that recruiting there. Yeah, well, you know, he's, he's Calipari is nothing if he's not uh, clever and, and able to see down the road quite a bit. So uh, let me shift you over to football because obviously that's still uh, topic number one for the most part in the Big Blue Nation. And there, there's once again, Keith, been uh, a little flare-up. I won't say it's a big movement. But it's the anti-Eddie Grand thing, which is you talk about the lowest of low-hanging fruit when the offense is struggling. And there are so many yeah. reasons, but, um, you know, Twitter weighs in with it and all that. What, what's been your take on the fact that here's the guy who has been lauded literally nationwide for yeah. the moves he's made and, and the, the, uh, the ability – to, to change offense in the midseason when injuries have taken quarterbacks and things like that. And after two bad games, it's like, do, do we keep him or do we get rid of him? I mean, I mean, it's just crazy to me because it's not like you got to look back several seasons. you just got to look back a season ago to see yeah. what he was able to do with this offense and, and how creative they were to make it happen with a solid run game and hardly ever passing. It just boggles my mind, but you're right. I mean, it's always the offensive coordinator and quarterback, right, that always yep. seem to take the most heat. And I, to me, I don't know. It's like every year is a new year. You hear Coach Stoops say that a lot. And, and it just seems like there's some connection that's not happening, whether it's, you know, the, the, the quarterbacks, what they're viewing, what they're seeing downfield or in the run-pass option. It's just like something's not exactly clicking. And I don't think that means make a change. I just think it means try and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, now if you kept having these over a course of years, but I think Eddie has proven himself, you know, along with Darren Henshaw, to, to be a brilliant mind uh, on the offensive side. What do you? What have you seen? What do you think is is the number one culprit? And I'm not saying single out a, one player in particular, but yeah. if there's one thing you can put your finger on. You know, it's just boggling my mind is is the wide receiver position. Yeah. We've seen Josh Ali really step up. But then it's like when you're lining up Cavassier Smoke on the outside and on, like they did on Saturday, and he was the number one, you know, read. He wasn't, you know, the fallback. Yeah. He was lined up at wide receiver. They looked that way. They threw to him on a slant, I believe it was. And, and you know, that's kind of disheartening to see that. I really expected a lot more out of these wide receivers this year for, if nothing else, the fact that they didn't have to just block downfield mm-hmm. and, and the fact that they wanted to prove something and that there were some freshmen coming in that certainly wanted to play year one. Um, so, so I think that's part of it. And then I, had, I asked Darren Henshaw on uh, an interview for BBN tonight, and, and he was 
saying, you know, the quarterbacks are having some issues with the run-pass option, and, and so that is one thing that they're trying to shore up in making the right reads on when to keep and when to hand off. You know, Keith, we've talked a lot about this offense over the last couple of weeks, but, I mean, we're just a few weeks removed from beating Tennessee and Knoxville, something that hadn't happened in 36 years. Yeah. Uh, give me something right. to be positive about with this Kentucky football team. Is it the defense? Is it Bossman Fat leading the country in interceptions? What do you like about this team? Uh, the Vanderbilt's coming to town. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, but with this team, seriously, I, I really do like this defense. Um, you know, um, you know, Dick knows this. I'm a Steelers fan, and and um, you know, a lot of reason that I like watching them is the fact that they've always, for the most part, had really good defenses. And, and so I love watching this defense and how they've developed. It's just that they're not getting the help, as we've already mentioned, you know, from the offense put the points on the board and not only that the you know like the difficult time they had at Missouri where they were stuck out on the field for so long and then the offense couldn't get a drive going quick three and out and they're back out for another long drive and just getting tired but yeah yeah boss man fast been fun to watch at first he was maybe speaking up a little too soon but now you see and he's, he's backing it up a little bit so that's certainly fun to watch Keith uh, as you mentioned both the next game but you also have Alabama Florida and South Carolina before you wrap this season up what do you need to see from Kentucky these last four games, whether it's just a, from a record standpoint, a play standpoint, to say that these final four games are a success? You know, I just think they need to – you need to see some improvement out of the offense. I know we're harping on it, right? I mean, but that's, but that's what everybody's talking about. And, and just to see them stepping up each week and making some improvements uh, along the way, whether, you know, it's, it's getting your wide receivers going, whether it's – you know, one quarterback taking control and being that man. I, I just I just really want to see improvement on that side. And, you know, something we haven't seen in a long, long time. I'm going to forget it. I mean, we all know Corey Price likes to put those stats out. Um, but we haven't seen a, a kick return in a long time. I'd love yeah. to see one of those uh, go back for a touchdown, uh, you know, be it a punt or a, a kick return. So that's <laughs> something we've missed uh, seeing out of this team. You know what, though? I really believe kickers are getting so much better at making it almost impossible to return. I mean, how many times have you seen Zach Johnson follow a ball into the end zone and, you know, put the fists out like no return? Or, or Josh <laughs> Ali, uh, and I don't think he does this enough. I tell you what, I felt like the Georgia kid, and the Missouri kick punt returner especially did a tremendous job of challenging himself to field uh, – Max's punts, Max mm -hmm. Duffy's punts, to keep them from rolling down the field. Uh, sure. I thought Missouri did a great job at that. Georgia did a pretty good job at that. But the bottom line is punters now have become oh. so good at hanging it up or killing the ball, it's hard for anybody to get a return if you've got decent kickers on your team. No, that, that's a fair point. You're right. I mean, for the most part, you don't get a chance on kickoffs anymore because they're putting them through the end zone so far. Um, you know, and, and there's just no benefit in trying to bring it out. Yeah. So uh, that is a fair point, but maybe a punt return. Hey, how about that? That sounds good. The other <laughs> thing, too, is you remember they changed the rule. Uh, they, they try to discourage kick returns, frankly, for the, mm -hmm. the safety yeah. of, the, of the players. But I'm like you, man. I like a good, exciting punt return. <laughs> it would be good to see. I mean, we've had so many good ones here in the past, you know, yeah. that – that could um, that take those punt returns back. And I, I don't know, it's just something that's been missing. And, and, and like you said, it is exciting. 
Keith, one thing I think that has impacted this football season for UK, it obviously, is the SEC-only schedule. They, they didn't have the directional school to work out the kinks, and they don't have really the wins to get to that 6 or 7 mark to make fans really get back to a, a, a normal average that they're used to. Do you think that would be something similar on the Kentucky basketball side as well if they were to do something of a conference-only schedule? I know they have a, a matchup with UCLA involved, but if they didn't have those warm-up games, do you think it would – it'd be tough going for this basketball team like it has been the football team. I, I sure do because of how young they are. I think that's something that would be difficult, you know, just because, you know, you want to try and figure, let these guys figure out the college game and the speed of it. And even if it is a team that's not all that great, it's a Division One team, Division One talent, and they can figure it out. Um, they, can, they can get it, and, and some of those mistakes don't hurt you. That's what, that's what hurt with Kentucky, those first couple of games, like you said, if, if the football team would have had that normal uh, couple of opponents that they could play, you can make some mistakes, but you can overcome them. And that's just something they weren't able to do with, with an SEC-only schedule. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping we don't see SEC-only. Obviously, we've got two games scheduled, and we think there's more to come, but we, we're through out, and we haven't heard anything except for those two for basketball. Keith, you mentioned the fact you're a Steelers fan, so i got to ask you about Avery Williamson and yeah. getting him in there. Uh, how do you like the fit for him? And also just how fun is it for you as a Steelers fan to watch these guys that you covered so closely uh, come to the team group for and play so well? Uh, it's a blast. I- I'm telling you, first off, I wish they would have worked something out with Bud Dupree. Uh, they made him the franchise player, and then they didn't pay him. And so they broke off talks for now. I'm sure they'll get back into it now the way he's playing. He's going to get paid somewhere. I just hope it's in Pittsburgh. Uh, Benny Snell, I don't know. I, I want to see him get more carries. I feel like that's going to happen in certain games for him. Um, he hasn't had a, in a couple of games here, but um, he did have the one touchdown. Uh, but, yeah, Avery, I'm really excited about him getting in there. The Steelers have had some injuries at that position, so they really uh, needed help. And, you know, you get a veteran player who's been in the league for a long time and has proven himself, so I think it's awesome that they've uh, they've got him in there now. Yeah, and as Aaron was pointing out, that he does. Is it a weekly Radiohead, Aaron, with Blake Martinez? Both Blake Martinez and Avery Williamson. Yeah, they both have uh, weekly radio spots up in New York. Now, obviously, Williamson will change. They'll find someone else to represent the Jets, but yeah. Martinez back for the Jets. Like the dueling well, linebackers. Maybe you, should, maybe you should put in for that, Dick. There you go. Be well, the show weekly. <laughs> I'm not yet an NFL linebacker, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it my best if given the opportunity. But my point is, Avery, Lord help him, uh, wants a career, I believe, when he's done with football in uh, sports yeah. casting of some sort. Maybe we can talk him out of it, K-Man, although he'll have some money to fall back on. That's the good I thing. I think but. he's done pretty well for himself, yeah. but I, I can see him doing that. He's He's always been a good talker when yeah. we've had the chance to interview him. I'm sure same with you, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and he worked uh, one of the pro day uh, uh, streaming shows that, that I got to co-host and did yeah. a great job doing interviews out on the field. So, uh, yeah, good for him. And, and, you know, say what you will about playing for the Jets. That move went a long way toward the Avery Williamson retirement fund. So I think uh, if he's as smart as we think he is, he'll take care of his money and he'll be able to do whatever he wants. Keith Farmer is the co-host of BBN Tonight on the UK TV network. Thank you, K-Man. Have a great election uh, coverage evening, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. Great talking with you guys. All right, buddy. Thanks so much.
And we're back in just a few here on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 630 WLAP. Thanks again to Keith Farmer for joining us. This is our last segment this evening because at 7 o'clock we will join election coverage here on 630 WLAP. And it will go on, I got to tell you, you know this, for quite some time tonight, if not through tomorrow. So uh, just keep it right here on 630 WLAP. Now, as I mentioned, uh, over the weekend comes the news, sad news, but 90 years old, Sean Connery had a great run. And... Just a terrific actor for a guy who was essentially a bodybuilder uh, and, and worked his way into the acting world. So let me start off by asking my millennial buddies here. First of all, what was the picture or the link that I sent you guys earlier today? Billy, who did, who did I send you a link about? Um, some composer that was mainstreamed and used television a lot, right? Uh, he was a he was a performer. What was his name? Um, uh, Hoagie Carmichael. Hoagie Carmichael. You'd never heard of him, right? Never. Aaron, ever heard of him? You know, the last name Carmichael rang a bell. I don't know if I'm thinking of the right Carmichael, though. If there's only one famous one, then yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, there's probably more than one, but here's why I sent it to you. Uh, Ian Fleming created the character of James Bond. And he was a writer and apparently a former spy himself. So some of the James Bond lore was actually Ian Fleming writing about himself or people he knew about. But when he wrote the character, and I, and I believe there was a picture with that link I sent you, right? That's correct. He, the guy did not look. Hoagie Carmichael. Didn't look like a dashing kind of spy, did he? He certainly didn't look like Sean Connery. And I bring <laughs> no. that up because Ian Fleming didn't like the casting. He did not like Sean Connery in that role because he felt like he was too muscular. And then and somebody said, well, how did you envision the role? And he said, Hoagie Carmichael. Can you imagine? Wow. Yeah. No, I can't. No. <laughs> I, can't. I really can't. Are you guys James Bond fans, tell me? Uh, I can't say I was huge. I've seen a couple of them. Uh, yeah, the modern ones, but I have I've maybe watched all of the old ones maybe once. Yeah, well, it's understandable because when you think of it, now to me, it's a great debate and it's a fun discussion. Uh, who's the best James Bond? And you know, it's it's in the eye of the beholder. To me, it's Sean Connery. Not by much. The, the current guy is a close second. Daniel but, Craig? Yeah. But, um, and you know, and there's so many changes in the, in the movies. Well, when you think about it, the first Bond movie came out, I think it was 1964 or 62. You're talking about more than 50 years ago, 60 years ago. So the franchise itself has been remarkably resilient. But. There's always going to be that debate over who was the best James Bond. I don't think it's much of a debate. I mean, when I think of James Bond, I think of Sean Connery. And do you really? Not, I do, and that's not because I lived through the 60s, 70s, and even oh, 80s. It's yeah. because I think of Goldfinger or I think of From Russia with Love. You know, those are the yeah. classics. And yeah. I think he kind of had a definitely, a, I don't know what the right word is, but 
he was perfect for that role. I think it, he was made for that role. And that's funny, that note about Carmichael. That guy doesn't look anything like a James Bond. <laughs> no, he really doesn't. Um, you know, Roger Moore did a nice job with it, but he, he put a different kind of spin. He kind of played the role with a wink and a nod, if you know what I mean. Uh, I only liked, it's one of my favorite Bond movies, uh, Live and Let Die which is might have been the first one he did. Uh, and some of the ones he did, and it wasn't his fault, were absolutely ridiculous. But uh, you also had uh, Pierce Brosnan, who I thought was terrific. You had uh, Timothy Dalton, who was terrible, I think. Uh, and you had a guy named George Lazenby, who took over when Sean Connery stepped away from the role. And Lazenby, believe it or not, Never thought he said he thought this is not going anywhere, and did not pursue making any more James Bond movies. Can you imagine? I mean, the one he made was popular. It was called on His Majesty's Secret Service or on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and he thought it was fun. It was a paycheck, but he he moved away from it. I just can't imagine that. So anyway, Daniel Craig is the guy now. He doesn't look like Hoagie Carmichael either, but. I'm I'm surprised to hear you say that, Billy, about Sean Connery. Oh, well, it's just, he's a classic. It, he really is. And while I like Daniel Craig, and I think he is a close second, like you said, but, you know, when I was introduced to the series, it was through the Connery movies. It wasn't through. No thrill. kidding. Mm-hmm. Wow. Did you just stumble on him one night? No, it was forced viewing by my dad. <laughs> Sit down and watch this. Well, your dad just, uh, and I've never met him, but he just picked up a lot of, <laughs> in my mind, uh, moved to the head of the class. All right, well, that'll do it for now. Stay tuned for election coverage for Aaron and Billy. That's it. Good night from Lexington. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.